This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Praise God. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Good evening. How are we doing? I know this week has been busy for some of us. That's good. That's a good thing. Busy week is good. But I want to um, speak to us tonight about the blessings of God's word. The blessings of God's word. The benefits of God's word. You know, our vision is to generously impact nations, building the people with God-likeness, people who will lead and influence. But you cannot lead and influence without God's word. And thank God the vision ended with through the knowledge and wisdom of God's word. So tonight, I'm speaking on the blessings of God's word. And I'm taking from the book of Psalm, chapter 19. Lord, I praise you for your word. Because it will bless our heart. Because it has a capacity to renew, to strengthen, and to cause us to know you more. We praise you in Jesus' name. Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Who are they that he's talking about here? The heavens declare. The skies proclaim. So in other words, the creation. The creation. How amazing. The creation proclaims God's word, God's glory. You see, they have no speech. They use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. Why does, does it say that? Because every day you wake up, you see God's creation. You know, yesterday the, 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 foc- the forecast was that it was going to be windy for the next couple of days. And it's bringing in some, you know, cold wind. Fantastic. But you see... That's God's creation. That's God's creation. And you wake up to cold, freezing wind, and you're going, ah, man, but it's God's creation. The skies are times when at night you go out and the sky is more more or less um, clear. And you start to see the stars. It's telling a different story. And not only you that is seeing it, a whole lot of people are seeing it. In Australia, it's night. So everyone is seeing the stars, the sea, the cloud, the sea, the sun during the day. Whilst at the same time, somewhere else, some people are, they aren't seeing the sun, but they are seeing the moon instead. The creation, God's creation speaks of God's work, speaks of God's mighty work. He said they have no words, they use no words. But day after day, they pour forth speech. How interesting. 
Day after day, they caused us to have a conversation with each other. How nice was yesterday? The sun was out. That's God's creation causing us to have that conversation, causing us to have that interpersonal relationship with each other. Just God's creation. They have no words, but yet they've poured forth speech. It's a night after night, they reveal knowledge. They come out on TV and say, well, the forecast for the next few days. But that's God's creation. That's God's creation. They pour forth knowledge. They reveal knowledge. So they have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. You say, in the heaven, God has pitched a tent for the sun. The sun never moves. The sun is there. You say, God pitched a tent for the sun. But the world rotates around it. You know, the world spins around and whatever part faces the sun, it becomes day. And the part that is facing away from the sun becomes night. But it never means his words to create a conversation with people that those complete rotation, 365 days, causes the beginning of the year and the end of the year. This is God's creation and yet we form our whole world around it. How amazing. God's creation. So basically, the, the earth, the creation, declares God's power and God's glory. The creation declares God's power and God's glory. In verse 5, it says, It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. The sun in the morning. You know, you think the sun is rising. Is it actually the sun that is rising? It's the world that is rotating. But he said it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. So it rises at one end of the heavens and makes a circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of his warmth. Nothing. When the sun is out, everything gets it. Right? It doesn't shine on the rich and leaves the poor. You know? It shines on everybody. Everyone feels its warmth. At the beach, everyone, both young and old, rich or poor, we all go to the beach to enjoy the sun and the waves. That's God's creation. And then people go around and say, well, it was nice at the beach today. What was nice? It's just God's creation. And when the sun is not out, how many people do you see going to the beach on a very cold day when the sun is not out? And what would they say about the beach? It was really cold today. It brings about conversation. God's creation declares God's glory and his power. Are we still here? All right, so we've established one thing. What declares God's glory and his power is God's creation. Amen. Now, verse 7. Here, it's talking about the law. The law of the Lord is perfect. Say that with me. The law of the Lord is perfect. You can fault it. You can fault it. His law is perfect. 
And there's an outcome to the perfection of God's law or, or his word. It says, it refreshes the soul. Because of how perfect it is. It's refreshing to the soul. How many of us have ever been in a particular situation that you listen to God's word and your soul is refreshed? You just feel a, a, a peace inside of you. And for some of us, we are, you know, studying God's word and then you hit, you hit a gem in God's word. And at times you just open your mouth in amazement. Is that what it says? Wow. And for some of us, it even goes more than that. You just scream and yell, God, come on. You see, that's revelation. That's revelation. And God's revelation brings to us all amazement. So the law of the Lord, God's word is perfect. It refreshes the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy. As a second part, there are six components to it. The statues of the Lord or the testimony of the Lord. So they are trustworthy. They are trustworthy. He said they make wise the simple. And when you say someone is simple, in other words, someone who, who does not process information very quickly. Someone who's a little slow. The simple. A little slow. It's a, but it makes them wise. It makes them wise. How many of us are smart ones here? Oh, no, no. I, I guess every one of us is a little slow. But God's wisdom, God's word brings wisdom to your heart. Because at times we don't even know what to do. At times we're on a crossroad. At times things are happening in our lives and we, we have no clue what the next thing we should do is. We have no answer to the questions. At times we are full of questions without an answer. We're just full of questions. Oh God, what's going on? What's going on? Got questions. Or well, it says here, so the statues. And King James Version calls it the testimony. How lovely. The testimony of the Lord. Trustworthy. You can bet your life on it. So they are trustworthy. At times, you look back at God's word, at the things that have been done. You see, a few days ago, um, you know, I just walked back into the room at night just before we go to bed. And I was watching a particular documentary. And the documentary was uh, trying to prove the ten plagues. Thank you. Now, there were scientists, right, who were trying to prove that they actually happened or they did not happen. So looking for ways to disprove it. And then for the first four or five or even six of them, they were able, in quotes, to prove it through eruption, volcanic eruption. That over time when the, you know, the molten magma flows and the ash blows into the air and it settles back down, it turns the water red which was the first, you know, miracle in Egypt that the, you know, Moses touched the, the, the sea, the river Nile, actually, and it turned red. 
So they based it on volcanic eruption. The second one is that possibly go and watch it if you find it. You know, how the frogs came and so on and so forth. They tried to prove it or disprove it. But then they got to one that couldn't be proven. They still did their science around it and said, well, that's a possibility. But they said, well, we couldn't prove this one and it must really be a miracle. And that was the dividing of the Red Sea. But at times we'll look back at those miracles, whether they are proven or not proven. But never forget, they are miracles. Miracles are things that no one can do, only God can bring it about. And that's more of the reason, regardless of where your life is at, believe in miracles. Believe in miracles. Why? Because the Bible is full of miracles. So why do you think as a Christian you can live without one? Because you being born again at all, you becoming a child of God is a miracle. Because naturally you were cut off from the covenant of promise. But the miracle of Jesus came that he died on our behalf. And we became. We were restored back. No, 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 not restored because that's wrong, wrong language. Because we never belonged to the covenant of promise. We were added were added. It only belonged to, it, to, the, to the Hebrews, to the children of Israel. They were the natural God's chosen people. And anyone who wasn't an Israelite was called a, Jew, uh, a Gentile. And Gentiles, by the presence of God's law and the chosen of the Israelites, were already condemned. And that is why the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. To them who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore now no condemnation. Because by nature we are condemned. And the law that was given to the children of Israel was to keep them in God's path. Because they were chosen. I was still here. So when you think about the testimonies of God... Believe them even for your life. He said, they make wise the simple. And how does he make wise the simple? First Corinthians, I believe, talks about how God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. In other words, the, the wise look at the miracles that happens in the scripture and say, well, it doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it's possibly fables. It's possibly just a story that people made up. All right? And then the simple like us goes, the scripture calls it a miracle. We believe it. And then you have it happen in your life. And then you still think, what happened? Oh, no. It can happen. It's not um, scientific. You can't prove it. It must be coincidence. Or whatever you say. Well, it happened. Because the scripture is full of testimonies of God's miracles, of God's signs and wonders. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, it said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That is not scientific. It is not scientific. It's miraculous. It's miraculous. 
God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good. I said, well, I could do that. And healing. I said, no, that's not possible. No, he healed. He healed. He healed. So if he healed back then, he can do it now. If only you can believe the testimonies of the Lord are what? Are trustworthy. It makes wise the simple and makes the simple wise. So when you are stupid enough to believe it, it works in your life. But when you are too wise to look at it and go, well, it's not possible. It can't happen. You can't prove it. You miss out. So who is wise now? The ones that are stupid enough to believe it. Isn't it? How God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. That's number two. Number three. The precepts of the Lord are right. Giving joy to the heart. The precepts, the statues, the ways God has set his word in our heart to follow. The little laws, the little commandments, the little, you know, if you love me, keep my words. He said the precepts of the Lord, they are right. He said giving joy to the heart. I love it. And the next one, it says, the command of the Lord are radiant. I love the way he says the command. And the King James Version has it as the commandments. So they are pure. The commands of the Lord is radiant. And what does it do? It enlightens our perception. It brings some light to our perception. It gets us to understand it even more. So the commands of the Lord are radiant. It enlightens our perception. So it gives light, giving light to the eyes. Giving light to the eyes. That when you think you are in the dark, you have no clue what to do. All of a sudden, from God's word, you start to see light. You start to see the beautiful things that he's doing. You start to, all of a sudden, have hope. All of a sudden, it makes sense. All of a sudden. And at times, it takes discipline for us to sit down to hear God's word. But let discipline keep you for a while. And you see, you no longer force yourself to sit. You give yourself to it. Because it takes all of you and blesses you. So the commands of the Lord are pure. It enlightens our perception. It enlightens the way we see things. There are people that only see one way. But for you, you see different options, different alternatives. And God is saying, hey, it's okay. Choose whatever you want. I'll bless it. You know how, how the Bible talks about it? It said, whatever your hand finds to do, say, do it and I'll bless it. I'll bless it. And I always say, don't ever ask, God, is this your will for me to do? Or God, is that your will for me to do? Should I take this or should I take that? Don't ask. No, of course, it's important for you to do that. But at times, you've got the Holy Spirit. And there are two ways to um, identify things that will be of blessing to your life. Number one, is it good 
Will it give glory to God? Right? If it will give glory to God, and if it does give glory to God, then do it. Number two, does it bless people? Will other people benefit from it? Because that's what God is about. We give him glory, and he blesses others. He will make you a channel. If what you find to do blesses God and blesses people, God makes you a channel. Because that's the kind of people he wants. And that works well with the commandment. They ask Jesus, so Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second one is like the first one. Love your neighbors as yourself. So that's the, the two ways to identify if anything, any decision that you've got is God's, God breathed. Does it bless God? And does it bless people? If it does, go ahead and do it. And God says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it, and I will bless it. Next one. The fear of the Lord is pure. Say it with me. The fear of the Lord is pure. Say it again. The fear of the Lord. Does it make you fearful already? The fear of the Lord. Fear. You know, the book of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, at times, we water it down at times and go, well, you know, when it talks about fear, it means reverential fear. It means how you honor God. It's great. It's great to see it that way. But when the Bible talks about fear, it didn't say, well, you can interpret it the other way around. The fear of the Lord said it's pure. And that is not to look at God and go, oh, man, man, you're scary. Because that's the way people understand fear. What scares you, right? Say, what scares you? That's what fear is. How about what you stand in awe of? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about what you cannot comprehend it's glory. You st- okay, go to um, a 24-story building and stand on the roof of it until you realize it's a 24-story building. Nothing is going on. But then you stand there and look at the vastness of the universe. What does it bring to your heart? Oh, oh, you're going, whoa. Wow. Now, bring God into that equation. Are you, do you get where I'm going? Oh. Because every time you perceive God, you, oh. Isaiah chapter 6. It said, the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah saw the Lord seated on his throne. His, his, his train filled the temple. To the point where Isaiah said, then said, I am undone. It was the awe. God is not a scary monster. God does not come with a, a, you know, a mask on his face to scare you. No, it's the glory of God. And he's acknowledging that glory that, that brings some sunken feeling into your guts. There you go. Oh, 
Not out of fear, but out of worship. Understanding that the vast universe belongs to the king of glory. So you're standing on that 21-story building. Uh, this time, I'm not asking you to look down. Because you look down, that all changes to something else. But yet, it's the same perception. Don't forget, it's the same perception. Well done. It's the same perception. Because you look down, you see yourself dying. But you look up, you behold an amazing expanse, the universe. So when, so what does that tell you? That fear can be perceived in two ways. And by that, explained in two ways. Fear or is seen from the amazement when you look up and go, oh, how amazing, how wonderful, how glorious. I'm lost for words. And at times, your mouth is open, you can't close it. But when you look down, your mouth doesn't just leave itself open. You, you are dead already. You just look down and go, oh, God, I'm done. But then you look back up and go, oh, how amazing. Same position. Different perception. One of all. One of the fear of death. How about if you could fly? Would you fear falling back down to the earth? No. If you could fly, you will kind of appreciate how amazing, how high is high and how low is low. You will appreciate it. But because you don't have the capacity to fly, when you look down, how much death is staring at you right now. But when you look up, you behold the Lord of the universe. He owns the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. Say so the fear of the Lord. Oh, come on. The fear of the Lord is pure. It endures forever. And it goes, <clears throat> the decrees of the Lord are firm. The decrees of the Lord are firm. <clears throat> they're true, they're firm, and all of them are righteous. All of them are righteous. God's decree. In the King James Version, he calls it God's judgment. God's judgment. They're true, and they, they're completely right. They're completely right. God's judgment. You know, I'd rather God judge me Right? Because I know his judgment is full of love. He's not full of hate. He's not judging me so that he can kill me. Do you, because it, it, why would he kill me? No, truthfully, why, why would God want to kill me? Because if he wants to kill me, it means that he didn't know what he was doing from the very beginning. If he could give Jesus for my sake, why would he kill me again? No, he wouldn't. So he's not looking to kill me. He's looking to love me. So when he judges me, it's because he wants to fix something inside of me. He wants me to grow some more. He wants me to mature. John chapter 15. Interesting. See, I'm divine. You're the branches. Any, any, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, God cuts. Right? He cuts them. 
The word that he's using in King James Version, he says he prunes them. Same word, cuts. He cuts them. And when he cuts the branch that does not bear fruit, possibly, thrown in the trash, put in the fire, burns up. But he says, listen to this, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes them. Same word, cut. You're bearing fruit, you get cut. You're not bearing fruit, you get cut. But what's the purpose? Two different purposes. So the ones that aren't bearing fruit, they get cut for destruction. The ones that are bearing fruit, they get cut so that they'll bear more fruit. Are you still here? So his judgment to me is not to kill me. It's not to condemn me. It's to help me see where I'm going wrong because he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake, not for my name. So he's looking out for me because of his glory. He does not want my actions to taint his glory. Oh, the person who wrote that psalm was David. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And do you know why he wrote it? Because he understand the difference between a good shepherd and a bad one. And he's showing that God is a good shepherd. Because a good shepherd does not allow his sheep to wander, to want. He he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Get it? For his name's sake. In other words, when people see David's sheep going astray, they'll go, oh, that's David's sheep. But he does not want his name, David, to be downtrodden or um, you know, spoken against. So what would he do? He does everything possible to ensure that they are together. Putting them in the right path. In the right path. So is, is it because of just the sheep? Not only just the sheep, but for his glory. For his name's sake. So he puts us in the right path. Because he knows. People will go, oh, look at Lillian. Oh my goodness. I thought she was a Christian. And when they say, I thought it was a Christian, what are they actually saying? I thought she is a child of God. But God says, my children will never beg for bread. And if he says, my children would not beg for bread, do you think he will allow you to go begging? No, no, no. Because for his name's sake. Because when people see God's children begging bread, what would you think? I would say, oh, well, I thought their God is mighty. But we serve a mighty God. And for his name's sake, he will keep you and guide you. Amen. All right. The decrees of the Lord are firm. The judgment of the Lord are firm. And all of them are righteous. They're righteous. All of them are righteous. Love it. So in other words... The creation declares what? You remember? The creation declares God's glory. And the law of the Lord, his word declares God's wisdom and will for us. The creation declares God's glory. His word declares his wisdom and will. And if I were you, every morning you wake up, look at the creation. While you are having that chat, also think about his word that declares his glory and his will for your life.
and combine the two, you have something that can never be taken from you. And in verse 10, he said, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. He said, by them, by your word, say this with me, by your word, God's servant is warned. By your word, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. He said, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults and kept saying all of that. But at the end, he said, and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Keep his word in your heart. How much blessings are there? The first one, the first one, he said, his law is perfect. It restores the soul. Uh, the testimony is sure. It makes wise. It makes us wise. Uh, the statues are right. It gives joy to the heart. The commandments are pure. It enlightens our perception. The fear and reverence is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of God is true. And it's completely right. It's completely right. And can you take that home tonight with you? Let God's word lead you. And if I were you, I would trust it even more. As I mix wise, the simple. Believe God's word for what it is. Whether or not you can prove it. I about believe it? Because if you can prove it, you've taken away the element of faith. True? Right? It's true. But he that comes to God must believe that, that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And people are looking, oh, well, is there God? Let's prove if there's God. Then that takes away the faith. And that is not to say, well, when you can prove there's God or there's no God, but that's not our concern. Jesus said to his disciples, or rather, actually, yes, said to his disciples when uh, Thomas, the doubter, uh, he said, until I see the nail um, prints on his hand and on his side, I won't believe that he's, re you know, he's resurrected again. And he said, okay, all right. Jesus showed up all of a sudden and said, peace. And said, went straight for Thomas and said, Thomas, aha, uh -huh. here's the print. Put your finger in it. Here's my side. Put your finger in it. And stupid Thomas, what did he do? He actually did. And then after doing it, he went, my Lord and my God. And Jesus turned away and faced, faced those who are yet to come like us. He said, Thomas, you see, you, you see me. And that's why you believe. He said, but blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. You see, why we are gathered tonight is because of God's word. Although we have not seen Jesus yet, we believe. So that's what keeps the element of faith. And faith is a substance. It's a substance. And we are living by this substance. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. By it, your servants are warned. Praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's word is great. Thank you. God bless you. The message you've heard was produced by The Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com. 
or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.